For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered. This one live coming your way. It is episode 87 of the show. You could jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution easily on Twitter. Get it at Casey Stern. Jump in the Twitter bio and hop over and subscribe and view all of the episodes, all the interviews and guests, and hit up the channel when we're live as well over on YouTube. And of course, if you're listening, or most of you do, Apple, Spotify, everywhere where you get your podcasts, as we've got a lot to get to here on this program, as uh, Unfiltered Episode 87 comes your way, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season. Latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends is your continued source for all sports wagering info. Bet online featuring live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. All you got to do, get over. It's easy to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get your rewards. So thank you to our good friends over at Bet Online. We've got a lot uh, you can bet here on this show. You can hop on board if you haven't been with us live during the program. It's easy. You can get on Twitter or on the YouTube channel, jump in the chat and the live stream, and get on live and interact. And obviously, uh, any thoughts or comments you have on anything I'm talking about, or you want to jump in with any questions, you could do that. We'll get to a lot of baseball today here on this show including the situation with the National League East, now tied atop the division, the Mets and the Braves with 97 wins with seven games to go. The weather complications that are presented by Hurricane Ian. And uh, most importantly, let me just stop right there and say that you know, while we're going to talk about how it affects a baseball series, how it affects an NL East divisional chase, the most important thing is for the safety of the people now sitting there in the crosshairs in Florida. Thoughts to everybody that's involved. We, you know, I mentioned mental health all the time on the show and do these life pods if you haven't checked them out. And we talk about how blessed, you know, we are as people to be able to have this day, have today, have this moment, regardless of, of what's going on in our lives. That was Winston Churchill uh, quote that I always use on the show, which I love. If you're going through hell, keep going. Some things, you know, are just so out of our control. All the best and, and thoughts with uh, everybody safe. And hopefully if you needed to evacuate, you did evacuate. And for those of you who stayed around in Florida in the crosshairs of, of this hurricane, please uh, obviously be as safe as you can. We'll talk about the implications on the baseball side. We'll also get into the Yankees clinching, even though Aaron Judge still waiting and we await history. We'll get into that here on this program. And we'll also get a chance to uh, get in and uh, talk about something that, you know, I, I tweeted yesterday and it floated around this video of Mike Trout leaving a hotel, going into a, a car and, you know, being rushed out of the building 
and these two kids who had been put out there by a parent who was an autograph seeker. And then when Mike Trout did not have time to sign the autographs, then that parent acting like it was about the children. And I want to get into that and talk about what a disgrace that is and and just really give some reality in real life to some of you just idiots who really don't understand this. So we'll get into a lot of that here on the show. You can jump in at Casey Stern if you're listening, obviously, on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else on the Twitter side. Let's get going. Let's talk about this National League Eastern Division. Seven games to go and tied atop the division, the Mets and the Braves, 97 wins. I admit, as somebody pointed out to me yesterday on Twitter, while I certainly, during the course of the year, and we know about it, somebody specifically who way too early had jumped out in New York and said that the division was over. When you saw the way the Braves were playing, and they were playing at 116-win pace over a four-month stretch, and you know they're the defending champs, regardless of the Mets who are not metting and they're not collapsing, and I don't want to hear any of that garbage, you're a moron if that's what you think. A lot of teams, you know, don't take advantage of their schedule the way they should. You want to say the Mets haven't done that? They haven't done that. They haven't. Haven't taken advantage as much, but they won seven games in a row at one point not too long ago. And you're sitting there after the opener of whatever, right, that A series where they had won, I think that was the seventh. And everybody was on the highest of highs and, and Lindor his 100th run batted in and Alonzo's doing this and, and everything's just hunky-dory. You know, get a grip. This this is not, this is the Buck Showalter, Max Scherzer version of these Mets. This is not the Mets of old. And trust me, if anybody understands, I talk about this all the time, the CTSD and the consistent traumatic stress disorder and Luis Castillo pop-ups and Mr. Met giving you the finger uh, to your own fan base and sex toys in a locker room in the background by accident and, you know, false apologies to media members who are getting into fights with players. And then you got to have a manager go out twice because they realized on Twitter of all places that maybe you didn't apologize the right way. And a million other scenarios that we can all remember all the way going back to obviously, which I covered every day and was there for on an everyday basis, what happened in 2007 when the team had a seven game lead on September 12th. This is not that team. This is not those Mets teams. This team's going to win 100 games if they go three and four in their last seven. This team has been the best Met team during the course of the regular season and really at most points during the course of this season since most likely that team in 88. That's how long ago it's been. They're better than the 2015 team. They're better than the 2000. To me, 99 was better than 2000 as far as the team is concerned, even though thank you, Kenny Rogers, you know, roasting us all in a television of mine with the Andrew Jones walk. This is not those Mets. But I admit that after they won three out of four, go back to the beginning of August, that I thought, okay, the divisions, th this is it. This is going to be where they, they, they separate. They, this was the coming together of the two teams, and the Mets had, had sent their message, almost swept that series. If you remember, the one game that they lost – they were behind, what is it, 6 nothing, 8 nothing. I don't even remember at this point, with Taiwan not having a good start. And they, they almost bounced all the way back in that series to sweep all four. But I admit, I thought, okay, probably done. When the Braves turned around down here in Atlanta where I am and won four out of five, it was clear that this thing was going to end up down to the wire. And it's both teams and both fan bases who have felt the same thing. I joked about this in a podcast I did. If you missed it, I called it jokingly podcasting with the enemy that I did with Mark Bowman, who jumped on board. 
And we talked about Mets Braves from kind of different vantage points of this thing. And you can get that, of course, everywhere where you get your podcasts, as well as over just jump into the Twitter, subscribe, and, and uh, view the videos on my YouTube channel. But, yeah, as, as we were talking about during that, you know, both of these teams have failed in opportunities. Well, a Met fan is thinking specifically, and I think it was in the, the second national series that, or no, actually it was the Cubs series where they got swept, that the Braves are playing the Giants who, look, this is not a great team this year, and they lost two out of three. You don't think a Braves fan is thinking at that time, my God, we didn't take advantage of the Mets getting swept by the Cubs? Had we not gained ground? Both teams have experienced this. Then all of a sudden, the Braves fan is thinking when they see Acuna out a couple of days and Spencer Strider go down with the injury that all of a sudden, Olsen not hitting. Maybe it's it's not going to happen. You know, two and a half game lead. Maybe it's going to be five rather than go back to the way it's it's been. But this is just this is just how this division was going to be. This is this is what's been set up for a long period of time now in the way these two teams have played. They're, along with the Dodgers and the Astros, two of the best four teams in baseball. Yankees, you know, are the kind of the sometimes version. We'll get into that, and congrats to them on clinching the East. But they're, they're two of the best four teams in baseball. They're clearly two of the best three teams in the National League. And without a doubt, both teams have proven that they could beat the Dodgers, beat each other, depending upon where they play or how they play. This thing's going to be a crapshoot when you get into the National League playoffs. But now you got seven games to go, and the teams are tied. Now we're in that nitty-gritty. If you're a Met fan, you've got issues, but your issues are not you've collapsed. Your issues are, first of all, people have been forgetting that Starling Marte is a really valuable member of this team. You know, I don't want to say he's been the most valuable player on this team this year because one of the good things about this team is that it hasn't been that way when you think about what Lindor's done and how great he's been and Alonzo after Pete, you know, people... Met fans complained he was lost like four or five weeks ago. He'd been anything but lately. Yeah, co-player of the week. You know how good you got to be to not allow Albert Pujols with what he did to be player of the week by himself? That's how dominant Alonzo has been the last week and a half. Yesterday, it's his 40th home run. He's got, what, 131 runs batted in. Now, you know, continuing to build on that, that record that he's already got for most ribbies of anybody who's ever played on that team in a single season. This is this is a real good team, but the Braves are a good team. Braves are the champs. The Braves are not only the defending champs, but at times this year they've played better than they did last year. They're a deeper team than they were last year. They're a younger team than they were last year. What they've gotten out of Grissom, the brilliance of Harris, the brilliance of what they've gotten out of Strider for the time that he's been healthy this year when he's been on the mound. I mean, Kyle Wright, look, I understand not just about wins, but he's earned the fact to be a 20-game winner and the first in the way back machine, so on and so forth for Atlanta Braves franchise. This is, this is a really good team. Now you got Rosario getting hot again. Swanson seems to get big hits every single time. I said this in a recent pod. I mean, you can't give the guy enough credit. You may not be able to give him enough money. Your Liberty media who knows in terms of his free agency that's coming up, but anybody who doesn't understand that's a Met or a Braves fan, that's the crazy part. Both of you people, you're the gatekeeper and the key master, need to get together and realize, hey, look, this thing ain't going to be easy. It's going to come down these last seven games, and you may see each other again in an LCS. Now, granted, one of you, depending upon who loses, is going to end up having to win a series and then go ahead and beat the Dodgers in five. 
without being able to line up your starters and without the break and all that, you know, may be difficult. I'm not saying it's not going to be, but they may very well meet each other in the LCS. We might not just see them for the last time, wherever the hell we see them and whenever, which I'll get to in a second, based on weather in this series that is supposed to begin on Friday. When you are dealing with Major League Baseball, you have to understand, and I think we all do, who have followed this, that they are not quick to the uptick all the time. And by that, I mean that they're slower at, you know, most of the time than, than John Olrude running the bases. Or, you know, one of the, the, the other Molina's not Yachty. Sorry, uh, Benji and, and Jose. Terrific guys, great players, but they'll run very fast. That's how the league is. The league doesn't ever figure it out. But somebody got to explain to me, and maybe somebody could jump in the chat or tweet me. I don't know in the last couple of minutes I haven't seen whether or not anything's come out. But I cannot understand when you got a day off here. Now, look, I live in Atlanta. I know the weather that they're saying is coming. I understand that the weather people never seem to get it right. I get that. I also understand that everybody is over-exaggerating all the time about weather down here where I am in Atlanta and in Georgia. After what happened a few years ago with the snow they weren't prepared for and everybody got stuck on hills. Now it drizzles. People go off the road. Nobody wants to drive. I understand that. And they can't drive anyway. I, I've often referenced over the years that I've lived here since 2015 that if you've never driven in Atlanta, all you need to know is that Angel Hernandez is everyone's driving instructor. But how we're not, you know, I get the travel not going to be easy with these teams playing tonight, but how we're not playing a game on Thursday where the weather tomorrow here is supposed to be gorgeous with no issues, I think in the low 70s and sunny, how we're not utilizing that day to play a game and at least get one of these games in this series knocked out before you get to Friday's weather, then bumping Friday night's game to the afternoon because it seems like the Friday evening is when things will maybe begin and much heavier into Saturday. They're not playing here Saturday. Based on the weather, there's no chance that game's getting in Saturday. And then depending upon what the damage is to the field and, and how bad the situation is, is it going to be playable Sunday? I have no idea. But Saturday looks like it's a, it's a wash, literally. Not going to play. So why the hell aren't they playing here? I No, it's not going to be easy. It's not great. But is it going to be greater if all of a sudden they're sitting there and they're waiting till, yeah, be, if give you a game 163 kind of feel, you want to kind of bop back after the last series and that day before the wild card game and play the final of the three because you didn't get, you got the other two in. I mean, is that is that how you want to do it? Because all of a sudden that team, before that wild card series, before that, that loses, all of a sudden they're going to go ahead and it's not going to be fair to them. It'll make it even more important to win the division, get the time off. I, I don't know if re really what the plan is. Major League Baseball, according to the reports you read, they've had you know conversations about it. They have to be aware of the weather. I mean, clearly they 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 know what's going on, right? Now, I don't know that they're going to put it to a neutral site or what the site would be. And I understand completely that those things are difficult to, because, look, you got a lot at play. You got a division at stake. You got a Braves team that forget about the money and the gates and all that stuff in terms of that you lose at the ballpark. Either bad weather, a lot of people maybe not going to go anyway. But if you're sitting there and you're looking at a scenario that you've got with these two teams, the Braves are, are they want to play these games at home. They just took four out of five the last time they saw this team at home. They know it's advantageous for them to play at home. I get all that. But why don't you do it then Thursday? Bop up the Friday night game to a Friday afternoon. I would say maybe even consider playing a doubleheader Friday and knocking the series out before Saturday or Sunday. Is that great? No. Is it perfect for the teams? No. I don't know what adjustments you got to make or who you got to have in. But there's no perfect scenario with the way this weather is setting up. And I can't for the life of me understand why the hell both these teams are up on Thursday. 
I referenced this a couple of weeks ago about something totally different, but how many seasons do I sit there? We open, we got Colorado in the snow where, I mean, why are we even asking them to play in April? And I got Arizona and LA playing each other. I mean, you get just dumb crap like that. That happens all the time. How are we not utilizing this day off on, on Thursday? Tweet me at Casey Stern if you're sitting there live or even if you get this Apple Spotify. I'm curious your thoughts. Like, am I, am I missing something here? Both these teams got an off day on Thursday. You got a hurricane that's coming through. There's no way there's a game Saturday. Who knows what the field conditions are Sunday. Uh, if it were me, I'm trying to get all three in before Saturday. And planning a Friday, a, a Friday doubleheader. And a, and a Thursday night game, and away you go. And, yeah, they'll be tired. It's going to be depleted. Both teams will have to deal with that. It's not going to be easy. I get all that with the travel tonight. But you got to get the games in. I, I don't know what they're waiting for. It's like, unless, yeah, it could veer off. And there were times where it's like, you know, why the hell did they delay that game or rain out that game where there's no rain, right? And that happens all the time. And a lot of times there's gamesmanship of, you know, guys don't want to start or a team needs a day off or, you know, who knows where the home team is is, you know, playing into their lack of urgency. They got to get these games in. And, and you would figure, considering, you know, from what I read this morning, there's been like no conversation that has, you know, had any validity or gone very far from the league standpoint about playing any of these games on Thursday. And it's already Wednesday at whatever I'm doing this live with 1220 on the East Coast in the afternoon. I don't think they're going to play tomorrow. But how they're not playing tomorrow, I mean, how dumb is it going to seem that there's a day off tomorrow if all of a sudden Friday night even gets in trouble? And certainly Saturday looks like, again, forget it. I, I don't I don't understand that. So there's a lot of intrigue in this, in, in at least, in addition to just the fact that there's seven games to go and they're tied for the lead. You got everything with the weather. And who knows what the hell is going to happen with that. Uh, whether or not Aaron Judge hits five more home runs or three more home runs or who knows how many, uh, be curious to see, by the way, if he gets a day off here, especially with another off day coming. Uh, it seemed like from what Booney had said, going back a week or two ago from what I had read, that might have been the plan. Is that still going to be the case? I don't know if that's been put out yet today. I haven't seen it. Uh, whether Judge you know, gets a day, I think it might help him. He still have a few games left to go. If you're worried about you know him you know going and getting that AL mark, you know, he get walked a bunch. He got people talking about, well, you, you want to throw him cookies. As long as the team that's playing him does whatever. Look, the Jays got to win games. So you're not throwing layups and cookies to Aaron Judge. At the same time, you don't want them pitching around him either. All right? Not everybody's going to be Rich Hill, who I love. And I love go back to the at-bats with the approach. Just going after him. Even Rich Hill stuff. I love that. But the Jays, they're not in the Red Sox place in the standings. The Jays got to be more careful. Aaron Judge is the guy you can't let beat you. So I get both sides of that. But I think maybe a day off followed by what seems to be a natural day off where the team doesn't play. Maybe get a couple of days of rest and maybe you get them with five, six games or whatever it'll be left to go. Judge to get that final push might, might put you in a better spot. But I think if you're looking at it from where you are now, I mean, you know, it, it is as well as Aaron Judge has handled this and he's handled this unbelievably. All right. The guy does everything you want. It seems sincere and genuine, but it, it's not easy to be carrying the team the way he had to carry them for as long as he did in New York, be in a spotlight. You got people oohing and on and sighing with, with, you know, disappointment when you lead off the game in a first pitch with a double in the game after he hit 60, like this stuff's not easy. I'm, I'm sure there is something to the fact that, you know, this, this drought, if you will, has been at least in some portion or percentage in part, because of the fact that he's had to deal with all of the drama and the attention and everything else. And look, it's like it's like an adrenaline dump a little bit 
in terms of getting the 60. And then probably the same thing now that he gets the clinch, maybe give him a day off. It might be able to kind of you know, write that, that home run ship, if you will. As far as the Yankees as a team are concerned, I'm curious. Get at me on the chat or tweet me at Casey Stern. I'm, I'm curious. Do you really do you buy them as a viable World Series threat? Because what the judge conversation and all of that has happened here with this chase the last couple of months has masked is it's made every conversation outside of when Garrett Cole doesn't pitch well enough, right? Every other conversation been about Aaron Judge. We we had that one little scare where, look, Donaldson, who's had some big hits this year, regardless of the overall the numbers not being there, he don't hit that walk-off against the Rays, and they get swept in that one series, and I think that would have cut it to two and a half at the time. Instead, it goes to four and a half. I mean, who knows? But you kind of deep breath there going back a few weeks ago. You knew the Yankees were going to win this division. Most of the year, you knew the Yankees were going to win this division. And now you're in a situation where everything's been about Aaron Judge. Well, you, we got to kind of circle back. If you're sitting there, you look at them clinching the East and say to yourself, okay, how dangerous are they? They haven't proved that they could beat the Astros in a lot of different places and examples. Can they go knock them off in a seven-game series? How much danger is presented to them in a five-game series by whoever they play? You know, look, it, it doesn't seem to you look at all the matchups and it's like everybody poses a different kind of threat. You're right. No matter whether you're the Astros or the Yankees, nobody seems to trust the Guardians, yet they won 17 out of 20. They got Terry Francona. They still got Bieber and company. They got a guy at the back end who, to me, is right there with Edwin Diaz as the two best closers in the league and everybody else not even close. And they got a lot of kids that make contact that that don't seem to care what anybody thinks. They got that, you know, I hate to go back to the old Red Sox 04 thing, but that why not us kind of attitude of, you know, hey, don't respect us. We don't really care, you know, even though they probably do. There, there's always that Cleveland insecurity, sorry, that kind of comes in a little bit, but the, the, certainly the team is exciting to watch. But they're not some little engine that could. They can. Nobody thought they could in 2015, 16, in the runs that they made. Could have won to the World Series when they were showing up in the playoffs. Nobody really thought much of them then either. I remember sitting there covering those games and everybody's saying, well, Josh Tomlin, well, he pitches to contact, can't get out. And then all of a sudden just ask Toronto how that went. Right. So you never know. Seattle house money, but they've struggled a bit. Even Castillo at the contract, not good. His last start, um, their offense, you know, outside of when J rod is healthy and in there, I, you just, you don't know in a lot of cases what you're getting, especially against the best swing and miss guys, which you're going to face in a postseason. Toronto is dangerous to me. They are. I think they clinched that that one spot in the wild card tonight with a win, or they clinched, the, I guess, just the postseason birth, with a win, and, and I guess it's a Yankee loss, I believe. I look, I, I look at I, I look at these teams in the AL, and it is hard not to think the Astros are just in a class by themselves. But if you believe in the Yankees, I want to hear from you. At Casey Stern, let me know. Uh, one of the things I wanted to hit here today as we kind of head down this this final week. That has nothing to do with postseason races, but it drove me absolutely bananas yesterday. And a tweet wasn't enough. And I thought it was important to, to give context because if you saw the tweet yesterday and I, I had reacted to it, but there's a tweet that floated and got viral about, you know, from a guy who's an autograph seeker. And in the video, it's Mike Trout. We rushed out of a hotel into the car with the team. Do you get to, and I don't even know, to the bus or the park or wherever. It doesn't even matter to me. Like the context of that, does I pay no mind to that. It doesn't matter. But you got two kids sitting there holding a book for a parent who's an autograph seeker. And then you got the autograph seeker sitting there and saying, well, you know what? And, and I want to give you the exact 
me try and see if I could find the exact tweet because it's it's kind of ridiculous the level of what people will do in some of this autograph. Now, look, I I get people like autograph seeking, and this is like a thing. It, it's never been a thing for me. I I don't really understand it. I don't like I I I. It just doesn't mean anything to me. It never has. Like I, you know, I, I, I've never been that way, but I know some people are that way. Look, it's a business. Some people make money that way. You get the, the Zach Hempels of the world, right? I get all that. But the tweet that was sent out, I'm not going to give him any more love than he's gotten. I read his Twitter handle, but Mike Trout, not for the kids. Hate to see it. You know what I hate to see? I hate to see morons who are so self-absorbed about idiocy like getting autographs that they're putting two kids out there who probably love Mike Trout and would love to meet Mike Trout and get an autograph, but don't even realize they're being used like pawns to put out there to basically help support your what? I don't even know what that is. What are you going to go do with it? Go put on a, a headset and go tell somebody on some Twitch something, uh, here's, here's where my autographs are? Like, what, what do you do with it anyway? Seriously. But the idea that somebody's getting on, first of all, Mike Trout in my time covering the game is as good as I've seen anybody be at any kind of a level, let alone a level, let alone a high level, where it's way harder, where there's way more attention, there's way more stress, there are way more people always plugging and picking at you, trying to, you know, basically you suck at the, you know, you, I mean, they're basically trying to drag anything they can out of you, right, in terms of attention or autographs or money or time or whatever it may be, because you owe them. I mean, he's dealing with that as much, if not more than anybody, being Mike Trout in this sport. And this guy does it as good as even like the last guy on the bench who dug in for attention, can't wait to get attention, wants the ego. He He's doing more than that guy. This guy's as good for the game as anybody when it comes to And I've seen it with my own eyes, and it's certainly people way closer to it can speak to this better than me, who see it more often than I have. These athletes are human beings, okay? First of all, if you're at a spring training game or you're at a ballpark before the game and you're sitting there and you're leaning over the railing and these guys are just getting done with warm-ups, they're going to give you an autograph or two. If they get out there early, they're going to do that or say hello. But when you're sitting there waiting out the door of a hotel like some creep and the car is sitting right there and the team is, is, is shuffling them out, the hell do you expect him to do now by the way there are probably times where he would do it if he wasn't in a rush but i've been around for people to understand first of all a lot of times the pr staffs they tell the players that they can't hey we got to get you out of here a lot of times when there are a hundred people there and look you saw in the video there are only three i don't know how many people were there we don't see that but a lot of times there's so many people that it's not like he'd be taking 30 seconds. It's not 30 seconds because if I do it for this guy, guess what? Then the next guy's saying, how the hell could you do it for that kid, not do it for my kid? And then he's posting something on Twitter. Well, that's 60 seconds. Then there's four more people. Now you added two minutes. Do some math. All of a sudden, you're missing a plane, missing the game. This is real life. I'm sorry you don't like it. You don't pay their salaries. You're jealous as all hell because these guys make money. And it's, the, it's what's wrong with the world. People jealous about everybody else's success instead of empowering other people and building them up. Grow the hell up. When your kids get old enough to realize what the hell you just did to them and that you tweeted it out like an ass, I hope they smack you in the face. Grow up. It's, it's ridiculous. There are sometimes that athletes get it wrong. There are sometimes that athletes screw up. There are sometimes that athletes... 
I've seen it, aren't good with the public. Mike Trout, not one of them. Are you kidding me? It's just, it, that is like, what a stupid thing. This guy got 100,000 followers. You want to know how dumb this world is? That dumb. I, I mean, are you kidding? It's so sad because everything that we try and promote seems to be negative in, in this world that we live in. I don't do life stuff. I, I do life pods. And for those who have not you know, followed and you jump on board in the podcast, I have seven already. I talk about mental health all the time. I think it's way more important than baseball or sports and life is too. And, and, you know, just the idea that this is who we are. A lot of us as people, he don't owe you that. What are you giving him? A tweet because he said he didn't even say no. He couldn't. You're waiting outside the hotel like a creep. Like, where were you with the kids before that? Hey, here's the game plan, guys. Here's what we're going to do. I'll get you a happy meal. I promise. If you sit here and hold my scorecard for the next 45 minutes, because they didn't know the second Mike Trout. How long you have the kids waiting there, you jackass? Grow up. Great unfiltered episodes that were out recently. Uh, John Gibbons, it's a hilarious conversation. He talks about being critiqued by his mom about his podcast. It even gets into cold sores, baseball, all sorts of things in between. The NBA side, and I'll be doing a lot of hoops during the NBA season. I'm starting to kind of get into that a bit now on the pod. Had uh, my buddy, friend, and former teammate, David Aldridge. You could catch that. We talk about Nets Media Day, the Celtics situation. We preview everything coming up in the NBA this season. Matt Holiday. A uh, friend of Albert Pujols talking about from his vantage point, the at-bats and breaking them down of 699 and 700 and kind of what what he saw from Albert that made him different, talking about him as, as a competitor. Lots of fun things on the pod going on. Jump aboard the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else, you can get it on the Twitter side and subscribe and join and watch all the videos on the YouTube channel. All you got to do is hop in the bio. And for that guy, hop off Twitter. For the 100,000 followers, hop off that bandwagon. And for those kids, literally, hop on a stool if you need. I get it. I'm not tall either. And go smack dad in the face for that bullshit. See you guys soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.